Like I said earlier, it's uh, good to be back. Um, my, all my family isn't back, just three of us. Um, we still have several at camp. Uh, Emmeline is a camper for the first time, and so she's in a cabin with, with Hannah. And uh, so they're, they're having a good time this morning and uh, worshiping. Um, actually, probably at this moment, they're having the last uh, worship uh, time at the camp. Um, it's just been a great great two weeks um, of camp. We've had a bunch of salvations, a bun- bunch of uh, commitments. Uh, one of the most beautiful times that I remember seeing was experiencing um, this past week, uh, kids taking communion. Uh, some probably taking communion for the first time, and just to uh, see them just full of excitement uh, to take part in communion was just a beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. Um, but like I said before last week, um, if you've never led kids in worship uh, or been a part of a, a children's service of some kind where they're just uh, you know, hundreds of, of kids singing out praise to Jesus, it is like no other. I have led hundreds and thousands of people in worship uh, through song um, that most of them were adults. Um, but give me a few hundred kids... And it just is is so much louder, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, they're into it. They're free. And that's what I loved about this past two weeks is that they were just so free. They didn't have the, the peer pressure of the world, you know what I mean. Like even in, in church world, you're like, should I clap? Like, should I give a hallelujah? Should I get into the song? With kids, they're like, I don't care. I'm singing out. And it's just been uh, great to see that and to be a part of that. And uh, God, God is just definitely using Victory Mountain Camp uh, for his glory. And, uh, but it's good to be back, be back home, and to sleep in my bed for the first time in a while. And I slept pretty well uh, in my bed uh, last night. But let's, uh, let's dig into uh, Colossians. We'll be in Colossians 2, chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 6 through, 5, through 15. Um, we're uh, continuing with the uh, series called Higher, uh, talking about Christ being higher than everything, having full authority in heaven and on earth. And so let's pick up in Colossians 6, uh, or Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. See, we've talked about this, um, you know, verse verse 8 kind of, you know, it's starting to really unpack what the Colossian church has been going through. They have had different teachings. This is a young church, and we've talked about this over the course of the, the, the weeks of this series, that this church has, has received different false teachings. And you see that the, the false teaching here is uh, many different things. Um, but one of those is that they were talking about exalting angels, um, exalting angels and you know glorifying the stars and things like that that was some of the teachings that that was coming into this church and and basically saying that it's above Jesus like putting things above Jesus 
And so Paul is starting to address this type of philosophy that is being taught of this human tradition that has been taught to them. And so we'll pick up in verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of deity. You might hear that word and think, deity? What is that? Basically it's saying that the fullness of God, the fullness of God is bodied in Christ Jesus. Like he is fully God. Of course that comes and we talk about, you know, God, you know, Jesus came down as a man. And so he was fully man, but he also was fully God. And so he's addressing this once again with the Colossians because they viewed Jesus as lesser God. But he was fully God. And a lot of times, you know, you know, cults and different religions will will grab on to some of the teachings that was like what was going on in Colossians. And they'll go and they'll run with it. And before long, you get a warped view of Jesus. And so he is fully God, dwelled bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power, powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcised of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiveness forgiving us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So we'll start to to just kind of unpack what's going on here. We've already started to kind of, you know, dig into some of the philosophy that's being taught. And the thing is, is that this was, a lot of people talk about agnosticism, and, and this is kind of the, the on-ramp to that, where they're talking about, you know, different uh, things that, you know, God, you know, Jesus is, is lesser of, of, you know, the angels and, and astronomy and different things like that. And a lot of times that false teaching can tiptoe into the church, and it's done that throughout history. But Paul is here addressing what is going on. But I love what he starts off here in this passage. Receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. These are Christians who had received Jesus. It wasn't something that they worked for. It wasn't something that they earned. This was a gift that Jesus Christ came and bought. And they received him as their savior because christ if you really unpack what christ means it means messiah which means savior so jesus is their savior but then paul goes on and says the lord and the beautiful thing is if you go throughout the old testament you see the lord was all throughout the old testament and so paul is saying this lord that was 
there all the way throughout Scripture. And the mega narrative is the same that dwells in Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. They like Jesus being their Savior, but not their Lord. But I'm here to tell you, if He's just your Savior, and He's not your Lord, then you're living for the sinful flesh still. And He's truly not your Savior. Because yes, He did save the whole world by covering with His blood on the cross, but He rose from the grave and became the Lord of all. And so, Paul talks about that they received Christ Jesus as their Lord. And I love what he says. So walk in Him. So walk in Him. Many people love to just sit there. Sit at that. Yeah, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. But no, we're not, not, we're not just to just sit there. We have to walk in it. It also, you know, walking is, you know, learning to, to walk and mature in your faith. The same as like my, my baby, you know, Brentley is just starting to, to, you know, stand up on his own. And, you know, he has, he's taken one step. This past week he's took one step. But he hasn't learned to fully walk yet. And he is, here's Paul saying, <laughs> and he cares about mature Christians. He wants the church to mature. And that's what my heart is. I want everyone here to mature in their faith. Not to just be young in their faith, but to mature and to grow into, in maturity. So walk in Him. How do you walk with Jesus? You turn to His ways. You turn to His Word. And you learn to walk how He walked. You learn to think like He thought. You learn to do what He did. And that goes on. It says that you are to be rooted and built up in Him. I want to pause there because I think that that word rooted is something that, you know, whenever I was reading, it just kept on popping up, you know, as, and if you look and you look at throughout Paul's teaching, he talks about being rooted in the faith, being rooted in Jesus, rooted, rooted, you know, a root system is determined really by, you know, how good a root system is, is determined by, you know, how it's established, what soil it is. You know, depending on how the root system is, will determine how much fruit it bears whenever harvest season comes. You know, plants, you know, can, can uh, be neglected of water because of their root system. You know, we can have a strong wind that comes through this area and blows down trees. A lot of times it's because of their root system. Yeah, and it could be blown down, rooted, rooted. I looked it up in in the definition of it. There's two definitions for it. One is a cause to grow roots, which is like a plant. Root root your own cuttings from stock plants. But then another one is this: being rooted is to be established deeply and firmly. And I think that is what Paul is talking about here, is that we are to be established and deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. Not to be rooted in, in other philosophies of the world. Not to be uh, rooted in just uh, court, church culture and, and different things like that. Not to just be rooted in anything that's human 
kind made, but rooted in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Rooted. If you go and you study that in the Latin, it would come from a word, the root word is radix. Radix, which is also where we get our word in the English for radical. Radical. Now, I know whenever you hear the word radical, it brings in different type of things that comes to your mind. Maybe ISIS, a radical Islamic group. Maybe here in North America and other places, you think of white supremacists and radical groups when it comes to that. Or maybe when you think of radical groups, you think about the devastation that happened this weekend in Texas, in Ohio, and what has been going on throughout our nation. As crazy as it is, we're experiencing awful times. Maybe you think of radical groups like that. But when I'm thinking, when I talk about being rooted in Christ, I'm talking about being radical for Christ. Being rooted in Christ to the world we might look like we're radical. But I'm not talking about holding guns. I'm not talking about going into different places and being awful and being about hate. I'm talking about being rooted in love, being rooted in, in God, and, and being rooted in justice. Will that make you look like a radical? Yeah, it will, but not by earthly standards. Because really, the world looks one way. And being rooted in Christ, you, were, you look completely different. Some would call that radical. You're radical because you don't look like the world. You don't look like the rest of us. But we are called to be radical for Jesus, to be rooted in love, and to be rooted in Jesus who is full of grace and truth. When people look at me, I don't want them to think of me as this re radical Republican. I don't want them to look at me and think of a radical Democrat. In fact, I think we have way too many of those in our nation. I want people to look at me and see Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want them to see my roots that grow so deep in Him that they can cut me down as much as they want, but I will bleed Jesus Christ. That's, that's easy to say. It's much harder to walk in. And that's why Paul says to walk in Him. To walk in Him. Don't just be words, but go out and do and practice. And so this morning... May we be rooted in Christ and not the world. May we be rooted in Him and not the world. May, our root, may we be rooted in Him and not just right thinking. Because many th times in the church world, they think, oh, okay, if you just think the right things, then you're good and you're righteous. But right thinking does not bring about righteousness. Jesus Christ brings about righteousness. And so if we're rooted in Christ, then yes, we will have right thinking. But it comes from our being rooted in Christ, not the other way around. And so as we look into uh, verse 8, we talked about that. As, as verse 8, it talks about you know, the philosophy and, and the, the teaching of you know, empty deceit and human traditions and, and spirits of this world. 
You know, some of the Colossians um, were relying on some of those things. They were starting to, to listen to those, those principles of the world. And they were being led astray. See, the patterns of false teaching in question was removing Jesus as the only one on the divine throne. They were trying to put other things on that divine throne. And may we never do that here in our day. May we not do that here in our church. May you not do that here on your own personal ways. But I know that we live in times where they might not say that, but ultimately they're doing that. They're replacing Jesus and putting something else in His place on the throne. The new thought was, that Christ isn't sufficient, that Christ isn't unique, that Christ isn't the only one among, you know, that Christ is only one of um, many that are manifestations of God. The new thought was that you can serve other powers along with Jesus. And we talked about that people like to say Jesus plus something or the gospel plus something jesus is enough jesus is sufficient jesus is ultimate jesus is supreme jesus is fully god fully the way fully the truth and fully the life so true faith is rooted in jesus christ and jesus christ and his relationship for us Believers must restrain from those that like to bring deceit in the body. Believers need to be aware of those fine-sounding words that come in and talk about. And, you know, you can read back in verse 4, which we covered last time. That was going on. The reality is, is that (laughs) it's 2019. If anything, it's gotten worse. Because we're talking about these, they're they're not huge, highly educated people. There's not huge universities that they're going to. We're very well educated. And a lot of people can say all kinds of things and and fine-tune it. Make it sound really good. But if they put Jesus under anything, they're completely wrong. And so be aware. If they're saying that Jesus Christ isn't Savior, and that Jesus Christ isn't Lord, be aware. If they're saying that there's multiple Gospels, be aware. And let's go back to what I started with last year. Last year I, I preached a sermon and I said this, our Christology should lead us to our missiology, which leads us to ecclesiology. The study of Christ, looking in at His words, what He was about throughout the mega narrative of Scripture, should lead us to determine what our mission on earth is. And that should you know, point us in the direction of becoming the church of Jesus Christ. But the reality is, is that people say, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to study the church. This is how the church has always been. And then they, discuss, then they walk back and they're like, okay, well, the mission of the church is this. And the mission has 
of Jesus. And you go wrong by doing that. When you reverse the order, you get wrong. You get a diluted and watered down gospel and you get a watered down version of Jesus Christ. May we start with Jesus. Actually, I would go even further than this. Don't just stop. Don't just stay with Paul even. Paul is pointing you to Jesus. He is pointing you to Jesus. But so many people go to Paul only. And they go completely wrong. It is Jesus Christ. Paul studied Jesus Christ. May we study Jesus Christ. I will go even further on to this, that it's not just even John Wesley that we should go to, or John Calvin, or any other person of the faith that we go to and we just turn to them and them alone. When we turn to them and them alone, then we are getting a watered-down gospel and a watered-down Jesus. May we go to the true source of life, and that is Jesus Christ, who is living water for our dried-up wells. True Christianity, true Christian life isn't just about getting intense visions and dreams and, and gaining some special religious knowledge. That was what was going on in this day and the reality is as I see it going on here and now. People want to grow in just their knowledge and their philosophy and their right thinking and yet they miss Jesus Christ in it all. True Christian life is truly knowing Jesus Christ as Lord of all, including your own self. Not just Lord of all the cosmos, not just Lord of all heaven and earth, not just Lord of you know, the church, but I'm talking about Lord of your own individual life as well. Now, this doesn't mean that we should settle for sloppy thinking. <laughs> sloppy thinking can lead you astray as well. Right thinking, however, does not make us righteous. Only the cross can do that. But right thinking can bring about discipline, can bring about honesty, can bring about clarity, can bring about everything that's essential to communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken world. But if you just start with right thinking and you just stop there, you'll never get to Jesus. You start with Jesus, you'll, you'll get the right thinking. You'll develop wisdom and authority. You'll, you'll, you'll get, he'll give you those things. He'll give you those gifts if you start with Jesus. Being rooted in in Christ being rooted in Christ not the world being rooted in Christ not right thinking and lastly being rooted in Christ not works Martin Luther once wrote he says this made it clear that Christians is justified before God by grace through faith alone not works the believer is completely free of any need to establish worthiness before God through legalism, through moral works, through ceremony. Christians, of course, are to serve 
and to do the work of Christ in this world, but without any thought of self-justification by means of works. See, works righteousness has been around for centuries. It's been around even in the Colossian church. It's been around because it's, you read throughout the Jewish upbringing. They, they went to works instead of turning to Jesus and turning to God and to walking in covenant relationship with Him. They thought that they could, if I just do it just right, then I'll be in relationship with God. If I just do everything the right way, if I go and I do all these ceremonial things and I do all these washings and I don't eat certain ways and I, I do all these type things, then I will be right with God. But yet, works cannot save us. You look in the uh, Colossian church, you get you know, these Gentiles that are becoming believers. But the Jewish people around there, they come in with their ideas, right? They've, they, so to speak, they have been a part of the family of God. They think they got it all together. But what we really discover is the Jews don't get it all together. <laughs> you know, in Jesus' time, they're the ones that betray him. All right? They turn from him. The Jews don't get it together. But then they come into the Gentile church and they start to give certain teachings. And one of them is you must be circumcised. Circumcision. Some of you might not know what that might is, may be, but it's an external sign that they were a part of the covenant of God's people. A sign where they were to be cut and to bleed to show us a sign of a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And they believed that if you were not circumcised and you were not a part of God's chosen people. But Jesus didn't come bearing a flint knife. Thank God. <laughs> he didn't. He came. He suffered. He died. And His blood covers us. His blood is where we get a new covenant that covers us. We don't have to rely on circumcision and things like that and different things of, of works righteousness to get us into right relationship. Jesus came and circumcised our heart. He brought us circumcision with His blood. It was through Him that we are found in His family. It's through Him that we are bought with a price in His blood we are covered. Romans 2, 28-29 talks about this circumcision of the heart. Jesus, through the cross and His resurrection, makes us right in relationship with Him. So it's being rooted in Jesus that we are now in covenant relationship with Him. It is through his blood that we are brought in to that but then there's also uh, gentile practices that come into play you know and, and it was some that they were also learned and taught from jewish ways as well which was baptism they thought that you had to be baptized to be saved 
And many times in, in the church of America even, you hear that you must be baptized to be saved. But I made it crystal clear when we baptized nine of, of our fellow uh, members here, I baptized them, but I made sure that they, they knew that it wasn't the baptism that made them saved. It was through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection that made them saved. But what baptism is, is that we are, we are dying with Christ. We are being you know, buried with Christ and then raised with him in the resurrection. That's what Paul taught here. That's what we should be teaching. If you hear somebody say that, well, you better be baptized or you're not going to be saved. You look at them and you say, Jesus didn't say to the cr- uh, criminal that was on the cross that he was having a conversation with. He didn't say, hey, go down, get off your cross, get baptized, then you'll, spend, uh, you'll see me in paradise. No, he didn't say that. He just said, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, baptism is definitely something that we, we love because it's, you're going before you know, the church. You're, you're saying to the world, hey, I am buried with Christ and I am made alive through his resurrection. Now, that is a serious commitment. But don't let false teaching lead you astray. It is through Jesus Christ, his blood, his death, his resurrection, that we are set free. And lastly, it's rooted in Christ, not powers. In verse 13, you see that you were once dead in your trespasses, but now through Jesus Christ you are made alive. In verse 14, you see that you are set free. You are redeemed You were bought with a price. You were forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Not found in anybody else. No angels. No little g-gods. Nobody else. You were bought with a price, and it was Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Cause of Christ, we can be rooted in Him and not the powers of this dark world. And the real thing is, is that there is powers. Paul talks about this. He's talked about this even throughout this series, is that there is rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. But Jesus Christ transferred us from death to life, from light to dark, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of Christ. And it's through these powers that is listed in uh, verse 15 here that Jesus comes and triumphs over. He takes and he disarms the rulers and authority of this world that when, Jesus, when, when God divided the nations, you know, at Babel, he messed things up. He, he caused the nations to split. Things went astray and, uh, you know, it, division was happening. But then you see the rulers and authorities that, you know, these little, little G-gods start to do and manipulate humans and do all kinds of things among the nations. And they do all these dark things and they've been doing dark things. And Jesus came on this earth and through his death, burial and resurrection, he basically looks them in the face and says, you don't have any authority. I have authority. 
You don't have authority any longer. He takes those, the powers, the rulers, the authority, he puts them into open shame and says, listen, look at all this. Look at this dark world. They don't rule. The powers don't rule. I rule. And many of us in this room have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. But my question to you this morning is have everyone turned to him? If you're not on his side, then you're being manipulated by the powers of darkness that doesn't have authority any longer. That they have restraints. They can't do certain things. And we know that one day Jesus Christ is coming back and they will definitely not have authority ever again. And Jesus will come and reign and he will make all things new. Our victory over darkness is found in Jesus Christ. And he brings us into light. He brings us in to his family through his blood through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we can have victory. We can have victory through Jesus Christ over our sins, both willful and unwillful sins. We can have victory over it. But also, we can have victory over death. Death no longer has a sting. When you have Jesus Christ living in you, you have the hope of glory, meaning that when you die, you don't get to taste death. You get to experience life evermore. Life that is rooted in Jesus Christ. And so, is your victory in Jesus Christ this morning? As we close this morning, we're going to sing a song that we've just sang a while ago. And may we all stand to our feet May we sing our victory is in Jesus Christ.